0: you here, and a uh, little, little sad we're missing our, um, our high schoolers and our middle schoolers and all the staff are gone this weekend. They're all um, on the winter retreat, and uh, so I always love having them here. hate it when they're not here, but I thought maybe we'd just take a minute and pray for them because they're all together right now as well. So let's pray for a moment. Father, I want to thank you for uh, this weekend and the chance we have to gather together. I think of our middle schoolers, our high schoolers, um, and the staff um, that are away this weekend. Um, Father, I want to pray for them right now. Um, I know that a lot of people have invested a lot of time, and a lot of money, and a lot of prayer into this weekend, and I believe um, that this weekend, even right now, in the next hour, um, you're going to change some lives, you're going to change some destinies, and um, Father, we we would just pray for every single uh, youth that's there, that they would come back touched, that they would come back changed and, and, and drawn to you. I pray for Pastor Matthias as he speaks. I pray for the staff as a minister. Um, Father, we ask that you'll do great work there. And I pray for us as well, Father. I believe that just as the youth are where they are this weekend by a divine appointment, I believe that you have each one of us here this evening for a reason as well. And I pray that as your Spirit speaks to our hearts tonight, that uh, we will hear what you have to say and gladly embrace that. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So it's good to have you here. We are uh, in our third week of a series we're calling Time of Your Life. We're talking about time. And uh, a couple weeks ago, we started this and we said, you know, we're a society that's very conscious of time. And uh, the the problem is that the question we always ask about time is, what time is it? Because we always want to know what time it is. And we have clocks and we have watches and, you know, on our cell phone and appliances and all that. And why, you know, that's a decent question. There's a better question we need to ask when it comes to time. And that question is, what should we be doing with the time that we have? The time that we have left in this life. And we said that one of the challenges that we face in life, uh, in, in dealing with time, is that most of us think of life, we think of the context of life as there's, there's our birth, and there's our death, and then in between, it's just, you know, 60, 70, 80, 90 years of us. And we're looking on, on what we want to do and how we can fill that time. But we discussed that first week, we looked at Psalm chapter 90, that was written by a guy named Moses, and Moses says, if you're really going to understand the time of your life, first thing you've got to understand is the context, and the context of your life is not, you know, your, your birth and your death and you in between. In fact, he says in verse 2 of uh, Psalm 90, it's actually everlasting to everlasting with God in the middle with God's purposes, with God's plan. And God gives each one of us, he takes us and puts us somewhere in that timeline, and he gives us the opportunity uh, to, to put him in the middle of our life to live for his kingdom. And we, we looked at, we especially camped out in verse 12 of, uh, of that chapter where uh, Moses says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We said that we, we number our days because our days are numbered and it's important for us to remember that because we tend to waste what we think we have extra of and yet every day every moment is a precious gift from God that he wants us to leverage and it says that when we learn to do that when God teaches us how to number our days we we make better decisions better relational decisions and decisions with our schedule and vocation and education and, and all of that stuff. Last week we began to look at some just practical aspects of this, and we looked at a principle last week that priority determines capacity. And we talked last week, if, you, if you're here, remember we had the jars and we had the little rocks, all the stuff that tends to fill up our day, and then we had the big rocks. And last week we, what we said was, if you want to get the most out of your day, out of your week, your month, your year, your life, You need to learn to put the big rocks in first, especially, we said, the big rock, which is God. To learn to put Him first in your life, first in your day, first in your week. Today, we want to move on and talk about something that we're calling um, Compounding Minutes. And uh, as we do that, I'm just wondering, how many of you, so we're uh, almost to the end of January here, um... So how many of you made a New Year's resolution that you're still on track for? Anyone? New Year's resolution goals? I know they're not very vogue anymore, but ra- raise your hand really, really high. Did, did it? Okay. You did it? So anybody want to just kind of be brave and say, like, what's a, what's a re- resolution that you made? Anyone? Just yell, Yes. I'm flossing my teeth daily. <laughs> awesome. Wow. Good for you. And are, are, you're on track? All right, good for you. Wow. Okay, so that you know, and it's interesting because I kind of did, I went online and I looked up, uh, like, what are the top re- resolutions? Um, that wasn't, that wasn't on there. Um, so here's some of the, number one, number one was uh, lose weight uh, amongst Americans that this year, they said the number one thing is uh, lose weight. Second one was get organized. Third one was uh, spend less, save more. Does that sound good? Number four was to enjoy life more, which I I think is a good thing. Number five, as we mentioned, was get physically fit. Number six was learn something new. Number seven was quit smoking. That's a good one. Uh, Number eight is to uh, help someone else this year, uh, to focus on serving other people. Uh, Number nine was fall in love. Uh, that's, that's cool. Uh, number 10 was uh, spend more time with family. Like, I guess that's what you do with the people you fall in love with. And today, we want to talk a little bit about this. Like, when we, when we think about goals and, and, and resolutions and that kind of stuff, I don't know how, how you pursue the goals that you have in life. But, but we have a tendency sometimes to set these, these big lofty goals, and I, I, I'm all for that. I think that's a great thing. The, the, where we often get tripped up is how we get from here to there. And a lot of times I think we, we think that the way that we get to our goals is we just take one big jump, like we wait, 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 and then one day we, you know, we kind of jump like three quarters of the way there. And I want to read a passage for you today that talks a little bit to that. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 15, 16, and 17 tonight. And I've got it in your notes for you. If you don't have your Bible, Ephesians 5.15. is written by the Apostle Paul. He says this, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So we're going to break this down a little bit tonight and look at this. And Paul starts off this, this passage um, with the words, be very careful. And, and that word in the Greek, the concept for, for being careful here, is the concept of looking at something or, or to gaze at something or to inspect something and to do it uh, with accuracy and with precision. Precision. So right off the top here, Paul's kind of getting our attention. He says, I want you tonight to be thinking, I want you to look at something in your life. So I'm going to ask you tonight as we kind of go down this road to think about your life. It's tempting at times to think about the person next to you and how it applies or somebody else who isn't here. But I'm going to ask you tonight just to kind of turn your gaze inward a little bit. Paul says, I want you to look at something very carefully, very accurately, with a lot of precision, in your life, and that thing is, he says, how how you live, and and that word live. Now, in some of your Bibles, it'll say live. In my Bible, it actually says uh, walk. And and the literal word there in the Greek is the word walk. Um, A lot of Bibles use the word live there because um, walking might sound like Paul saying as you exercise, but that's not really what he has in mind here. He's just talking about how how we go through our day, how we live, and we'll see the context is how we spend our time. But I love the word walk here because it gives you that kind of not like just as you live, like as you spend your year or your month. He's kind of talking as you take each step. Each moment of your day, I want you to be very careful. I want you to think very accurately about the way that you walk or, or live or move through each moment of your day. In fact, he says, he uses the word every opportunity here. Uh, what he's saying is, uh, I want you to focus in for a while here, not on how you spend your month or your year or a decade. I'd like tonight to think about how you uh, use each moment of your life, each minute Or moment, if you will, he says. I want you to be very careful, very accurate, then, about how you're living or how you're walking through your day. Not as unwise, but it's wise, making the most of every opportunity. He says, I want you to be wise about this. I don't want you to be unwise. And so, I think what he's trying to tell us here is the way a wise person is going to do this is they're they're going to view every moment connected to the to to kind of the long view the goal um the new year's resolution in mind i think what he's saying is this A, a wise person asks himself where do i want to be a month from now uh you know i don't know what your plans are a month from now uh in your life in your relationships financially your vocation school whatever it is but i think he says a wise person's thinking where do i want to be a month from now where do i want to be a year from now Where where do I want to be 10 years from now? And and then he's trying to say, I want you to kind of bring that up to this moment you're in right now. A wise person understands that there's a connection between the moment they're in and, and where they want to be and where they want to go. And they ask themselves, as I enter into this next moment of my life, how can I use that to move toward what's really truly important in life? To get to, as we talked about last week, to pursuing the big rocks, the important stuff in life. On the other hand, a fool would be someone who doesn't make that connection. So a fool would be someone who says, well, I have some goals or some aspirations in life, but you know what? The next half hour, the next hour, it's not, it's not important. I, I've got time to waste. I've got plenty of years to go. I've got time to burn. And so a fool is someone who doesn't accurately, carefully think about how they're going to spend the next segment, the next moment of their life. But a wise person is one who does. As I was preparing for, uh, in fact, this entire series... Um, I was reading a book and uh, this guy brought out a couple just really interesting things and, and um, there were things I already knew and I'm, I'm sure there are things that you already know, but sometimes it's good just to have things uh, kind of reformulated and, and restated to us and I wanted to mention those to you tonight. Two principles about this, this idea of living moment by moment and the first one is this and it's a, it's a long sentence but it's actually very simple. It goes like this. There is a cumulative value to investing small amounts of time and certain activities over a long period of time. Now, that may sound complicated, but it's not. What it's just saying is that with some things, uh, small amounts of time invested in something consistently over a long period of time produce big results, right? And, and even as I said that, you're probably like, yeah, I, I know that, I know that's true. And you could probably think of all sorts of examples of where that's true. Like, think of exercise for a moment, you know? Um, exercise, 30 minutes a day, five days a week, week after week, month after month, year after year, it really, really adds up. Cumulative, doesn't it? It really adds up. Um, There's a big payoff. Um, School, right? Studies. I'm really sad that our high schoolers aren't here this weekend uh, because I really wanted to talk about this, but now I'll just kind of skip through it. But, you know, for those of you who've been in high school, been in college, you know that whole, like, there's kind of two approaches to study. There's the wait, 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 wait cram, right? And I, I mean... I'm not saying I tried it, but I heard it doesn't work well. And then there's, and then there's the other one. Like, as an adult, it almost sounds ridiculous to, uh, as it comes out of my mouth because I know people scoff, but there's a, then there's the approach like 20 minutes a day per subject every day, even when I don't have a test or a paper due, 20 minutes a day, seven days a week, really adds up, doesn't it? And you know, for those of, you, for those of us who are older, we know there's, that's true. There's a cumulative value. When we invest small amounts of time over a long period of time, it produces big results. It's that way with our kids, you know? Uh, Small daily deposits of time with our kids over a long period of time produces big results. It's that way in our relationships. It's that way in our marriages. It's that way financially financially in disciplining your kids, right? Parents, you know that. it's like, man, the best way to discipline your kids is consistently, small deposits of time, consistently over a long period of time, produce great results. When it comes to eating right, when it comes to, you know, uh, developing a skill, practicing a, a musical instrument, learning a sport, short amount of deposits, you know, over a long period of time produce big results. Little deposits over long periods of time. Wonderful results. Now, of course, there's a couple of things that uh, kind of push back on that. The first one is this, that when you think about this, there's no immediate benefit to any single deposit of time. I mean, if you sit on the couch for three years, eating Pringles and watching TV, and then one afternoon you hit the wee Fit, you know, or you get on the treadmill, you know what I mean? It's not like you go out that afternoon and somebody walks up and goes, dude, you've been, look at you, (laughs) you know, have you been working out, right? That doesn't happen. It doesn't work that way. If if you've never, if, if you've ignored the piano for two years and you sit down and practice once and then you don't do it again for a while, there's no real benefit, no payoff for doing that. If, if you, pr- on a regular basis, skip meals with your family, and one night you decide to come home at a, at a normal time and have dinner with your family, this, it doesn't solve all your problems. It doesn't fix everything. You know that. If you decide one night, instead of watching TV, to talk with your mate, it's not like your mate looks at you out at the end of the evening and says, oh, you know, all the problems we've developed over the last five years for you watching TV, all that's gone. It doesn't work that way. So it's kind of easy sometimes to put this off. It's kind of easy to walk into the moment and think, well, you know what? I'm not going to solve all my problems by doing the right thing over the next 30 minutes anyway, so I'll just, I'll do it later. I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. There's no immediate benefit to any single deposit of time. And also, there's no immediate consequence to, if you skip a, a deposit of time. Uh, if you decide to skip one day of exercise, it's not like, you know, Consequently, you walk outside and people are like, what, what happened to you? <laughs> you know, you're falling apart. That doesn't happen if you skip just once. If you have one dessert that you're not supposed to have, you know, it's not, there's no immediate consequence to that. If you stay late one night and you miss dinner with your family, it's not, everything's not going to fall apart. And because of that, it's easy to put off investing the next moment at hand in your critical relationships, in your school studies, in your spiritual disciplines or church or prayer or whatever it is. There's a cumulative value to investing small amounts of time in certain activities over a long period. But here's the other side of that. And if you're taking notes, you might want to fill this in. There, the effect of neglect is also cumulative. And the thing is, often with neglect, and, and you know this if you've lived long enough, often with neglect, when there is a, a pattern of neglecting something that's important, you can reach a point of no return where you cannot recapture what has been lost? And and maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you've experienced that academically. Going to school, taking a class, didn't make those daily deposits, small daily deposits, waited till the end, didn't pass the test, got a bad grade in the class, there, nothing, it, there's no going back. There's no redoing it. There's no recapturing it. Maybe, maybe some of you experienced kind of a, a, a macro experience of that where it was one class, two classes, three classes, messed up your GPA. You know, and and you graduated and you didn't have the GPA you were hoping for. And because of that, there were some doors that were closed to you. And you could never go back and recapture that. Never. You know how that happens. Uh, Maybe it's relational. As a a pastor, um, and I, you know, maybe many of you have seen this as well, but as a pastor, I've noticed that um, I've seen this happen so many times. A relationship and one person neglects, neglects, neglects. The other person is patient and holds on and holds on and holds on. And then one day that person says, that's it, I can't take it anymore, I'm leaving. The other person who's been neglecting suddenly wants to make everything up in one night and the other person is like, there's no return. I'm, I'm, I'm gone. And you've probably seen that. I've seen that many, many times. Sometimes the problem is that neglect is cumulative and sometimes you can reach a point of no return. Maybe it's your spiritual life. Maybe you've been neglecting your soul neglecting your, your your relationship with the Lord, neglecting attending church and being part of the body of Christ, your Bible, prayer, and then you enter a season in life when you really need God. You need Him to be present. You need Him to be real. And He's not. He's not and and maybe you look around at people that are around you and they've been making those small daily investments in their relationship with God and they've got a purpose and they've got a peace and they've got some wisdom and, and satisfaction in their soul and you don't have that and you know you walk down that road long enough and sometimes there are things that you can never recapture in this life maybe it's with your kids you've been busy building your career You've been busy with your projects and your, your hobbies. You didn't make those daily deposits of time with your kids. And then one day, everything got turned upside down. And you wanted to fix it. You tried to fix it. But some of you could stand up and give testimony. But there, there, was, a, there was a time of neglect. And then we reached a place of no return. Neglect is cumulative as well. And in, in one thing that I've learned, and, and I know this is probably not new to you. You probably know this. But the sacrifice you make and the price you pay for those ongoing daily small deposits is far smaller than the sacrifice you make and the price you pay later for the disaster that often comes at the end of a season of neglect. And one, one of the things that, kind of thinking about neglect and... and um, procrastination, if you will, this week is I just find it interesting that um, neglect and procrastination don't require skill or, or discipline or practice. Have you ever noticed that? It's not, like, it's not like anybody says, you know, man, I'm just, I'm too on top of everything. And, and I really want to kind of learn how to procrastinate. So I'll put some little notes out so i am be sure to put things off. And, you know, I, my relationship with my wife is just so steady. And I don't know, I just think I'm, it'd probably be good to shake things up a little bit. And, but it's hard for me to do it. I'm going to work hard at it. And I don't know, there's just something about it that's, it just comes naturally for us. Neglect. Why is that? Well, I think it's just part of our sin nature. And sometimes you just got to call things what they are. Neglect, procrastination, it's bad stuff. And, and, and the danger is that the impact of neglect in our lives is cumulative in our relationships, in our own soul, and our health, certainly, in our finances. And sometimes you reach this point of no return where you cannot recapture what is lost. I don't know if you've, if you've ever thought, I wish I could go back in time and recapture a day or a conversation. You ever thought that? I wish I could go back in time and recapture a week of my life or a month of my life or a season of my life. Because if I could, I'd do it differently. But you know that you can't. You can't. You can never go back. You can never do it over. You can never recapture. I'm not saying that there isn't time in the future to do things but you can never go back and change what you've done and that's why i think paul moves on in verse 16 and he says this he's kind of saying so because you know all this stuff right you need to be making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil and that that word opportunity there in in the greek is literally the word time now again I think the reason they use the word opportunity in the NIV is because they're trying to give you that sense, not of like a great, you know, a big piece of time, but just like every moment that's in front of you is something you need to take advantage of. Some, some translations will use the word um, making the most of, of your time. Some say of your opportunity, of the moment, of, of each chance that you're given, but you get the idea of this, of the segment that's in front of you. Walk carefully through it, make, make the most of it. In fact, that's what he says, and that, that phrase there, making the most, is uh, in the Greek, it literally means to redeem something. In fact, some of your translations may say that, to redeem the time. And that word re- redeem in the Greek is an accounting word, and it, just, it basically means to buy something up, to, to, to snatch it up, to buy it. So one translation of this passage right here would just be Paul saying, make sure that you spend or that you trade your time for the best possible value. I like that. Make sure that you use or spend or trade the moment that you're about to enter and that you get the best possible value for that. And that kind of made me think, I wonder what a moment is worth anyways. I mean, what's a good trade for a minute? What's a good trade for an hour or for a week of your life? If you could put a price on an hour, what would you pay? If you could go back... And recapture, how much would you pay for a chance to do a day over again, or, or a week, or a year? So he says, I want you to be very careful how you spend or trade every moment, because what's, what's a moment worth? I mean, if you spend money, you can always go work hard and, and get some more money, but with time, once you spend it, that's it, and there's no going back. So hopefully you're, you're feeling the sense, the pressure of what Paul's trying to say here. Money is, it's, it's invaluable. So don't, don't waste it every moment, not just some, but every moment of your life. Make the most of it because we know that small amounts of time over time produce a cumulative result for good or even for bad because neglect is also cumulative. And then he says this, he says, because the days are, what, what does he say? Evil because the days are evil. Evil. What he's saying here is this, that that there is a, a, a wave, if you will, there's a wave that's moving through human history. We've seen it from, from Adam and Eve, and we're seeing it right up to this day, and if you read the, the Bible, you see in the future that wave is still going to be kind of rolling through human history for a while. And, and the Bible calls it evil. And evil is just basically anything that's set against the person or the will of God. Evil is the reason that we procrastinate. It's the reason we put off till tomorrow what we know we should do today. Evil is the the thing that distracts us from putting, you know, what we talked about last week, from putting the big rocks in first. You can call it what you want, but it's evil. It's evil is the thing, it's the reason that we we listen to a message like this, that we read a passage like this, and we take notes and we agree, we nod. But then we go out and we keep living exactly the way that we've always lived and we don't change anything about our life and we don't, we don't make any better trade of our time tomorrow because we, we still have that, that sense of a fool who sees where they want to be someday, but just isn't willing to make the connection and invest the next moment. Why do we do that? How is it that we know time is precious and, and time is so valuable And every moment is valuable. There's none to waste. How is it that we all know that, but we still waste time? And what he says here is because we are allowing a godless culture to dictate how we're living. And he's just saying that's that's being foolish. You're wasting your time, and you'll end up in a place that you you don't want to be. And you'll look back and wish that you had not done that, that you had been wise and not foolish. And I know that probably for many of us, we've lived long enough, you know, I'm, I'm 50 now, I've lived long enough, I've made some mistakes, I can look back. But I don't really think that that what Paul's trying to say here is, let's all just look back and have a big regret fest, you know, and just kind of wallow in that. I don't think that's what he's going for here. I think what he's just saying is this. He said, I want you to, I want you to look forward and not make the same mistakes that you made in the past. In verse 17, he says this, therefore, right, so he, whenever we see the word therefore, we always say, we ask, what is therefore? Therefore, what's it therefore? What's he, what's he trying to say? Therefore, do not be, what? Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So he uses kind of a strong word there. Don't be a fool. What is a fool? Well, the, the Bible says generally that uh, a fool is a couple things. A fool is someone, for instance, who believes there is no God. Um, so in, in the context of what we've been talking about, a fool is someone who says there is no God and there's no other purpose to life than my birth and my death and me in the middle, right? That's a fool. God says, no, you gotta, that's being a fool. To be wise is to realize that, that really this is about everlasting to everlasting with God in the middle. And he drops me in and gotta get on board with what God's doing. A fool is someone who believes there is no God. And a fool is also someone who knows the right thing to do, but he doesn't do it. I know when I get home tonight, I know that I should not reach for the remote. I know that I should sit down and talk with my wife. I know I should make that small deposit of time and invest it. In, I know I should do it, but I'm going to watch TV anyways because you know what? It's just 30 minutes and it's a good show. And then we could talk afterwards. A fool is someone who knows what they should do and they don't do it. I know that I should study for 20 minutes tonight. But the game's on. I know I should spend some time with God, but I've just got a lot of stuff to do today. Paul says, don't be a fool. Don't be foolish with your time. Don't allow culture to sweep you away, uh, away in a wave of meaningless activity and regret. Now, he's not saying you can never watch TV He's not saying you can never go on Facebook again or, or take a nap, you know. Uh, he's not saying that. It might sound like that. He's not saying you can never feed your cat again or, you know, that's another issue. Okay. It's not, I don't think that's what he's saying, all right? What he's saying is this, and, and, and this is kind of wide open in a way, but here's what he's saying. He's just saying this. Understand, understand what the Lord's, what? Will. Understand what the Lord's will. Is. God has a will for you. God has a plan for you. I want you to think about that. As you walk into the next moment, don't walk into the next moment going, you know, life is just birth and death and me in the middle and what do I want to do today? God has a will for you. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for your character. God has a plan for your relationships. He has a plan for your talents and your mind and all of that and the opportunities The context of your life isn't birth, death, with you in between. The context is so much bigger than that. So I want you to understand as you walk into the next moment, the next opportunity of your life, there's so much there for you. It's so huge. There's so much potential. I want you to think about that. How does God do that, by the way? How does he reveal himself to us? His will is planned for us. There are things we talk about all the time, but some of the big ones, of course, are that he gives us the Bible. That's what we're doing right now. We're studying the Word of God because the Word of God teaches us what's right, what's wrong, and and what's important and what's not, how to live. It teaches us how to love, you know, what to do with our time, with our money, with our priorities. So the Bible is one of those big ways that we can discover the will of God for ourselves. Uh, The Holy Spirit... Huge one, obviously, the scriptures say that, that when we give our life to Christ, that, that his spirit indwells us, and as such, he's able to teach us. He's able to give us wisdom, uh, help us make decisions, help us discover you know, what the, what the big rocks are and what the small ones are. The Holy Spirit is somebody, somebody who can actually help us with that stuff. Uh, another one is, is wise, godly people. God will put people around us whom he will speak through and, and who will help us when it comes to understanding how to be wise with our life. But his point is this, you've got to get this figured out. If you're sitting here tonight and you're like, well, you know, when I think about it, I'm not really being that wise with my time. And chances are when I leave here tonight, I'm just going to continue to live the way that I always did. And I think kind of what Paul's doing is he would just kind of grab you by the shoulders and say, you've got to get this figured out because your time is ticking away and there's no time to waste. You're missing the the joy and the blessing that could be yours. So so don't do it for your sake. Don't be a fool for your family's sake, for your churches, for the kingdom of God. Please don't be a fool. This is the time of your life and, and, and this is it. There's no going back. Start redeeming your time. Small deposits of time over time redeems your time. That's what he's saying. Small deposits of time over time redeems your time. So I have a couple questions for you as we close. Because this is, this is what it all comes down to again. You know, I know that uh, maybe for some of you, um, church is a regular kind of thing. And I think one of, the, one of the difficult habits that we can get into is coming on the weekend and feeling like... You know if we come and and we sing a few songs and we take a few notes and uh, and, and we, we go and we did our, we did our thing, and you understand that this is this is not the thing <laughs> that god 's looking for what god 's hoping is that this will produce something in your life that this will this will change you you know we, when we get together and we talk about sharing Christ with people around us right you know that that's not that 's not the point what God wants us to do is go out and then actually Share Christ with people, right? And when we talk about getting rid of sin in our life, just talking about it and taking notes, that's not really the, that God's end game. Then God wants us to go out and practice that and, and, and get on board with that. So that's what I'm saying tonight. God says, I, I want you to go the next step. So I want to ask you three questions. I've got them in your notes here. The first one is this. Where do you need to begin or maybe where do you need to begin again? Because a lot of times if you're like me, there's nothing really new under the sun. You know, you've probably made some commitments before and maybe slacked off a little bit. But the question is, where do you need to begin again? What is it in your life right now where you need to be making these these small um, deposits of time over time? Maybe it's a relationship right now. And, And even as I've been talking... God has been speaking to you and he's told you that relationship. So you, you already know who it is and you already know what you need to do. Maybe it's some discipline in your life. Maybe it's a spiritual habit. Maybe it's a, a health thing that you need to get on board with or, or a financial thing. Where do you need to begin or to begin again to make these small deposits of time over time? Second question is this. So what's your biggest obstacle? What's, what's standing in the way? So last week, we talked about putting the, the, the big rocks in the jar first, and we said the big rock, if you remember, was, was God. And I pressed a little hard, and I just kind of said, you know, I think really when it comes right down to it, what it means is God's got to be the first rock, that not just up here, but in your schedule. And I just, I just think the best way to do that is to make sure that God gets the first moments of your day. So my question would be, if, if you were here last week and you heard that and you're not doing it, why not? What, what's getting in the way? Sometimes it's good to identify what those obstacles are that, that keep us from following God's will for our life. What's standing in the way right now of you making those, those daily deposits in a relationship in your life? What is it? Uh, maybe it's taking better care of your body. Maybe it's investing more time with your kids or making those small deposits in, in, in your education and not taking it for granted, but realizing it's a privilege. And now, if it's, if it's discipline, and I find over the last few weeks that I've had a chance to talk with people over coffee and stuff about some of these stuff, you know, a lot of times people just say, you know, well, it's, dis- it's just discipline. I just, I lack discipline. And you might be thinking that, and here's the good news, all right? If that's all that it is, if the only thing that's getting between the way of you and having morning time with God or, or you spending time with your mate or whatever, the good news is, it, all you need is self-control. That's all you need and you're going to be on your way. Self-control is a complicated phrase that means to control oneself. That's, that's all it is. It's really simple. So that means I will make me get out of bed tomorrow morning and, and open my Bible. I will make me, when I go home tonight after church, not reach for the remote, but spend some time talking with my mate. I will make me do my homework tomorrow, even if it's not due on Monday, I will still make me sit down and do that. I will make me go out tomorrow and get some exercise, even if I don't want to do it. Because after all, it's just self-control. That's all it is. And if you're a Christian, the good news is that God has given you the Holy Spirit. And I looked through the scriptures, and what I found is this, that the Bible says the Spirit who lives in you and, and empowers you has the ability to change you. And the Bible even specifically says that one of the things the Spirit can produce in you is self-control. So it's not even that hard. It's not even that difficult. you know. And if you've never even, maybe you've just never even prayed. I would encourage you just to even pray and just say, Father, would you just help your Spirit, you know, get me on track? Because He'd be more than happy to do that. See how easy that is? It's so great when things are that easy. And then here's a the third question. So what are you willing to do about it? Where do you need to begin? What's, what's standing in your way? And what practical step could you take today, tomorrow? Maybe it's accountability. Maybe it's just telling somebody. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's setting your alarm for a half hour earlier. Maybe it's asking one of your kids to hide the remote control, you know, or unplug the internet, or I don't know, whatever it is. They'd probably be happy to help you. Um, what practical step could you take? So that you could begin to make those small deposits of time. Small deposits of time over time redeems your time. And this is God's will for you. You know, a lot of times when I stand up here on the weekend and we're teaching through stuff and and, and there's a lot of ways to approach certain topics, but with this one it's just really easy for me to stand up and say, God wants you to make small deposits of time over time because it redeems your time and this is God's will for you. Therefore, my question is, would you be willing to invite God in to maybe that relationship that you need to invest in, that that discipline, that health thing, that education thing? Because this is God's will for you. Pastor Bill is going to come up and close us in prayer.